For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the art studio. You know, it's easy to get distracted by the rhetoric and the nonsense that goes on both in the news and the political arena. As I've often said, the big picture here is rich people in the guise of corporations and poor people. Those are the two groups that we should be talking about and thinking about because there isn't any other group. There isn't Democrats and Republicans and all that stuff. All that stuff is created as a slide and light show to distract us. That's what it is. It's a distraction. And it does distract me. And I know it distracts other people because it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch as we pay in our tax money and they squander it away on endless war and everything else they can conjure up except helping normal people. They let the pharmaceutical companies rip us off in the most outrageous ways, and as long as those bastards in Congress are paid off, they're fine with the whole thing. We just had a big record pass. It's the longest Congress has never not voted or taken action on a Supreme Court nominee, and they let the nomination lapse. It just lapsed a few days ago. Mitch McConnell, the old geezer who is the head of the Republican Party, basically decided, along with the Republicans, that they were going to obstruct anything Barack Obama did. That was basically their game plan. So when he nominated a Supreme Court, uh, a judge for the Supreme Court, they blocked him. In an unprecedented move, the Republicans said, nope, we're not going to vote on a Supreme Court justice. Two months ago, and just a few weeks ago, when it seemed like Hillary Clinton was going to win the election, the Republicans said that they would not approve anyone that Hillary Clinton nominated and f for all four years that she was president. That's what they said they were going to do. If you type in YouTube and bring that up, you'll see various <laughs> Republican senators announcing that they're going to make sure that no nominee ever goes through. The Democrats, the Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, announced that he would do everything in his power to stop Donald Trump from uh, filling the Supreme Court justice position. So the Democrat leader, who's the minority leader, has just announced 
that he is going to do the same thing that Mitch McConnell and the Republicans have been doing for years, but specifically for the Supreme Court nomination for this year. And what's absolutely hilarious is that Mitch McConnell, whose head should explode from being a hypocrite, comes on and denounces the Democrats for doing that and saying that, uh, how does he put it here? Oh, yes, the American people won't stand for it. Uh, Yes, I think there's something that the American people will not tolerate. Well, it turns out Mitch is wrong. The American public will tolerate it, and there's no political repercussions for it. Uh, everybody who abstained here in this last vote got, you know, voted back into Congress. So people don't punish, pe- you know, people don't uh, vote and punish people by voting against them for not nominating or holding hearings on Supreme Court nominees. So Mitch McConnell's wrong. The American people will stand for it. Not that they want to, but that's how the system is set up. All we've created now is a system of obstructionism. Imagine if we were in the 60s and they were trying to get rights passed for people. This would have been a perfect environment for George Wallace. Basically, all he'd have to do is abstain from voting and nothing could move forward. Uh, You know, no schools are going to be integrated because they just said no. We live in a weird political climate. And we live in a weird world climate. You know, Mitch McConnell here is obviously an intense hypocrite. But this is the state of everything. Everybody who's a thief calls another person a thief. It, it, it's, it's like some kind of, again, I've had, talked about this many times in the show, some kind of reverse judo that's going on in the world. The mainstream media lies and twists the news about everything. And it's so slanted that it's crazy. CNN, just the other day, talked about Julian Assange. Julian Assange talked about him last show, the guy from WikiLeaks. This guy said that Julian Assange is a pedophile and he's hiding out in this embassy. CNN also said that people are not allowed to read WikiLeaks. Only news organizations in the government are permitted to read them. It's illegal for regular people to read them. CNN is stating and disseminating BS, lies, and passing it off as factual information. Basically, they can say anything they want, no repercussion for it. That's just what's happening. It doesn't make any sense to me that these guys can get away with this, but it's happening all the time, over and over again. The way this whole, I don't know, here's the weird thing. As you grow older, you become more and more aware of what's going on around you. It's just the way it is. Like a little kid is clueless up until about five, then five to eight, start checking in a little bit more. And then by 10, they're super aware beings, very aware. Not so much, uh, (laughs) pardon me, I won't go down that road, but as we get older then, we become more aware of what's happening. 
So I'm wondering, has it always been this screwed up? Has the political scene always been a snake pit like this? And if you sort of look back through history, it has always been this way. It ha- it's always been a push and a pull between the rich and the poor. The rich, you know, there was times in history where the rich owned literally everything. And a person would work a piece of land, let's say as a farmer, and have to pay in to his landlord most of the crops that he created. Most of his effort would go to the landlord and he would get just enough to subside upon. That, my friends, is exactly the situation we have now. And it has repeated itself many times in history. Turns out that being free is not guaranteed and it's something we have to continually fight for over and over again. And it turns out that the rich ruling class wants to siphon off as much money as they humanly can off of us, as much labor, and keep all of that for themselves and let us subsist on the tiniest amount that they can possibly get away with. And obviously, you know, we're not going to revolt and do anything about it. So they can keep setting up the rules over and over again, making it harder and harder to simply exist. Right now, most of us are reasonably happy. We have electricity, heat, running water, and the cable is on. But, you know, it got for, to me for a couple years ago that I couldn't afford cable anymore. Had to get rid of it. So the cable's not on here. It was just too expensive. And over there in Flint, Michigan, and other places like in Texas, they have got the water system so screwed up that the water is not fit to even bathe in. It's, it's completely poison. So those people are, are, are not comfortable and they're complaining pretty bitterly the fact that they have to pay into the utilities company for water that poisons them. And that's what we're doing in essence. We're paying into companies and institutions that are slowly robbing us and poisoning us. They don't have our best interest at heart. Their interest is taking as much money out of us, out of our dead bodies as they humanly can. The taxes that you pay when you die is unbelievable. They take half your wealth after you spent your whole life earning it. It's it's a system set up by the rich to fleece the regular people. It's just that simple. I received a letter about my uh, show where I was talking about Herb Trimp, who might be called Herb Trimpy. He was an artist at Marvel Comics through the 60s, 70s, and 80s. He was a really, really good artist. But I'm not going to talk about Herb Trimp today, uh, except to touch on him, because I want to talk about the Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk was the bastard child superhero at Marvel. Now, many bastard childs will come and go, but... He was a particular uh, case because he almost failed and he never really had anybody who was passionate about him who was shepherding the whole idea. He was an idea that got created. They brought in Jack Kirby to draw it, pretty dynamic. 
But the series itself didn't have a direction or a place to go. Pretty much the structure was Major Ross was angry about the Hulk existing, and the Hulk was a tortured scientist who kept turning into the Hulk over and over again. And they weren't really sure where to go with the thing. Sometimes it was an adventure book. Uh, sometimes it was a superhero book. And again, Stan Lee was writing it, but he, he was very busy at this time in his life. Marvel was exploding. And so like the, the Hulk was just a job he probably did in an afternoon filling in the word balloons. He didn't really pay attention to it. And when he handed it off to Roy Thomas, who became the next writer, he said the same thing. He said he never really paid that much attention to the Hulk, and it was just a thing he did. It wasn't part of his passion. And unlike the Avengers, where he said he took mental ownership of it, he said he never took ownership of the Hulk. In fact, no one really did. Several artists gave some great renditions of the Hulk. Marie Severin, terrific artist. Uh, Herb Trimp, we've talked about before. These artists sort of defined the Hulk. And it's in their storytelling, I think, that the popularity of the Hulk actually, quote-unquote, happened. Because, for the most part, it's like an Archie TV series. Each issue, the Hulk wanders into some situation where he's conflicts with somebody and says, nobody can do that to the Hulk. He says nobody can do that to the Hulk more than any other phrase ever. If you chart down how many times he says nobody can do that to the Hulk, you'll get into the hundreds through these issues. Nobody, nobody. And if you doubt me, go to uh, readcomics.to where every comic that ever got printed is up there and go read it. The whole Hulk run is up there. Anyway, so there was nobody with an overarching idea or view or vision for the Hulk. So slowly, it uh, became less and less about Major Ross being mad at the Hulk, even though it always would circle back around to that, and more about the Hulk wandering through a series of adventures, meeting bigger-than-life monsters or characters, battling them, and then moving on next issue is a, in a reset to the next battle with something else. There would be different setups where he would like meet the Submariner, which is a beautifully drawn issue by Marie Severin, and they fight. But in this issue, the Hulk is literally a puppet of the puppet master, and that's what co it's causing him to attack and fight the Submariner. So there's a lot of that, of course, mistaken identity and so forth, where two different Marvel characters would fight. Anyway, for some reason, I really, really enjoyed the Hulk. I enjoyed that sort of reset and then checking in. But I think what I really enjoyed about it, looking at why the thing is popular, is because it's drawn so beautifully. It's what it is. That's the art. The stories are very simple. Monster meets monster, battle ensues, it's over. You could call this like a Godzilla series. Godzilla meets a monster, they fight, moves on to the next thing. Meets a monster, fights. Basically the plot of the future Godzillas. And that's what the Hulk was. It was a, a, you know, a monthly battle. But the drawing was so absolutely strong. A synthesis of that fantastic Marvel 60 style.
but the Hulk goes on to become super, super popular, as we know. Everybody knows who the darn Hulk is. But it's interesting for how long the Hulk sort of drifted from one adventure to another without really a direction or, again, someone who was passionately involved in the Hulk who was shepherding the series forward. You know, Star Trek had a Gene Roddenberry and many other people afterwards who loved, loved Star Trek and who took care of it and molded it and shepherded it. And it's interesting that the Hulk did not have that. So the whole popularity of the Hulk comes down to the artwork that was created for those books. This is a great case of how great artwork can carry something uh, when other things wouldn't have. And it's also a case of how very strong the idea is. Little kids hate being weak. They hate it. They're pushed around. They're bossed around through life. It sucks. So the Hulk is like the wish fulfillment of every, every kid. You get pissed off, you turn into a big muscular being, and you whip ass on the people who've been torturing you. That is literally the dream of every little kid. And so the Hulk taps in to that idea. That idea, coupled with the good art, is what makes the Hulk work. Because people love, I know I loved it, that sort of premise where a guy... Uh, would get pissed off and then go whip ass on his enemies. This is basically the premise of every Western. But the Hulk was just terrific for that. And the visuals are so good. I just got done rereading the books again. And from the covers on, those books are a super pleasure to read. The Hulk is smashing things, smashing tanks, screaming nobody can stop the Hulk, you know, the whole thing. And for some reason, they're incredibly engaging. Maybe I'm just a sucker for this visceral action. There is a book drawn by Johnny Romita Jr. called World War Hulk. It's, it's, uh, it's about the Hulk when he returns from his adventure on this, from uh, World Hulk, whatever it was. He returns from some adventure, which was a great series, out in space, and he comes back to Earth and he's pissed off So he fights all the Marvel superheroes one by one. Doctor Strange and so on. And those issues are absolutely terrific. The fighting and the artwork reminded me so much of those old stories because it's a very simple premise. Each issue, the Hulk goes and tracks someone down who he's pissed at and they fight. And what a great excuse to have the Hulk fight all the Marvel superheroes. Just terrific. Anyway, I love, love World War Hulk because it taps into the same sort of adventure idea that I'm talking about here. Anyway, I wanted to chat a little bit about the Hulk because he's such a popular character. I love him. I love uh, the books. He's still, you know, maybe one of the biggest characters in Marvel. Even though they've never really put together a good movie with the Hulk, they've never quite seemed to figure out that formula. Uh, But the character in comic books uh, 
you know, even though it didn't have a strong start, so to speak, has become a mainstay, and it's really quite interesting. So, anyway, just wanted to, you know, no real wrapping up points about that, except that I really love the Hulk, and for those of you that have never read the first 10-year run on the Hulk, it's really a fun series, and you can check into it in and out very simply. In other words, you can pick up almost any issue and read it and get a complete adventure, which is a lot of fun because it's sort of like a reset at the end of each issue, even though the adventures carry over in chronological order. And some of the artwork, just, just amazing. Well, I've been sitting here in my studio drawing, and I'm doing something completely new. I am attempting to learn to play video games. Now, there are those, and I agree with them, that think video games are a waste of time. But I guess we could say everything is a waste of time, watching a movie, reading a book, if you're not being quote-unquote productive. So I'm not going to justify it. I'm going to say it's a fabulous waste of time. Anyway, I went and got myself a, a game called Grand Theft Auto V, and I'm sure many of you have heard of this series. Well, they curse their way through this thing like crazy. But beyond the sordid vocabulary, the game is actually quite visually beautiful. It really is. It's, it's surprising how nice these visuals are. Setting suns, uh, skies, you know, all sorts of things that are just, just really terrific. And I know there's other games that are beautiful too, like Final Fantasy and things like that. But this is really the only game I've experienced. I chose this game because it's rated so highly by everybody. It's in some respects it's called the you know the best game ever produced. So I thought I would start with this game, try to learn the metaphors and try to figure it out. What's really funny about this is like it's like watching a little old lady try to learn to do something. I smash the car into the walls, I get stuck, I can barely back out of a parking space it seems at times and uh trying to aim the gun forget about that you know <laughs> so it's actually a pretty funny experience watching someone like me who is so inept attempt something like this but i have to say it's been fun it's a little boring i'll admit that too i'm not sure that uh be you know, in other words for me a big part of the game is the art <laughs> does that make sense so I'm really entranced by the art and how they do it. But I can't say that it, like it's, it's a better experience than reading a good book. It's not better than that. Uh, and again, like I said, repetitious. You know, It's a game. What, what can you expect? But I am impressed by how far games have come. Because I remember going to video arcades as a young man and playing Pong and Galactica and Pac-Man and these other games that were considered the absolute epitome of technology. And to see how far things have come now, it's just crazy. One of the fun things you can do in the game is they have these different modes where you just get to drive around and do what you want. Well, last night, uh, my daughter showed me how. We drove over to the airfield and we jumped in the blimp. And we drove the blimp around the city through the air. And it's really a cool experience. Like I said, the visuals on this thing are outrageous. So, uh, I don't know. There I am, playing video games at my age. Can you believe it? A whole new thing. 
I hope you guys are having a great day in your art studios. Hope the art's coming out well. Keep creating. Keep doing your thing. You know, I think it's important to have a project of some sort. Whether you're building a table, writing a short story, uh, restoring a pair of shoes, you know, whatever it is that you think you might like to do, even if it's a tiny, small thing. Uh, you know, I do tiny, small things. Let me tell you one of the, one, what one of those is. I love to collect cards. Cards that are have cool drawings, like Mars Attacks cards, like wacky uh, packages cards, things like that where the art is small but on a card. I love that. I also love collecting playing cards, you know, Batman playing cards, Betty Page playing cards. I have all sorts of cool playing cards. So that's something I've always done for myself, and I always enjoy the hunt and the collecting of those cards. So I have all kinds of boxes and suitcases full of my card collections. I hope uh, that when I you know, move on to the next life, that these cards go on to someone else and don't become lost or thrown in the trash, because really, I love this collection, and I'd hate to see that happen. I'd like to see someone else enjoy the collection. But that being said, even if your hobby is just collecting something, something that you like to do or look for or gather, that's a really good thing. Or maybe, you know, put your intellectual endeavor into something else. Maybe you like to watch movies or read books or, you know, and uh, maybe you, you know, watch a movie and do a review. You know, start a podcast show like this and do a, you know, a review show. You'd be surprised how many people will tune in and listen to other people's opinions about all kinds of things, TV shows, sports events. I've noticed that the Westworld podcasts are incredibly popular with, you know, 90,000, you know, listens to, you know, my opinion on episode seven of Westworld. It's crazy how people listen to certain topics. So it's not about the views or anything. I'm not talking about trying to become popular on YouTube. I'm talking about doing something fun for yourself that you might enjoy, uh, that you can engage yourself in, that, that you, you know, have a good time doing. If you naturally like, you know, reading books and maybe talking about them, it might be a good thing. But again, I'm just throwing suggestions at the wall, just talking out loud, whatever it is you love to do, from collecting erasers to sculpting to, you know, having a pedicure done on your feet every week. I don't know what it could be. I think that it's important to engage yourself in something that you enjoy doing. A little project for yourself. I think it's very important. I have started a Patreon, which is a way that people can support the show. So if you want to, you can go to Patreon Art Studio, and you can see our page there, and you can pledge and support the show. Once a month, uh, the uh, pledges will go through, so you're not charged all the time every time we do a podcast or anything like that. So it's a once a month charge, but it is a, is a way for people to help support the show. So if you want to check that out, Patreon slash Art Studio. I'd like to thank you in advance for uh, you know supporting the show and helping me. Have a great day, and I'll see you soon in the Art Studio. Bye-bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.